me another man it, it it's been such a wild season and i am i don't know about you guys man i'm just so upset i'm, I'm happy because we have a bunch of big games coming up but at the same time i don't know about you guys like this is like the most depressing time of the year because you're trying to balance being excited for all the big games but also you know that the season's coming into it in in like two months man it like this is the, this upcoming week is the last week of the regular season for fcs got a few rounds of the playoffs and then that national that national cha- that national championships right around the corner man the celebration bowl well, in the season for um, the MIAC and SWAC, it's just man, I it, this is such a, like a bittersweet time of year. But it, it was uh... a <laughs> oh man, I, I I know it was uh, in the comments. It's going to be something. We're going to talk about FAMU's playoff chances, Mister Campbell. We're going we, we definitely have a lot to talk about there. We're definitely going to talk about Montana State. Uh, 744 yards of total offense, 554 yards rushing with their uh, Montana State's leading rusher was a wide receiver playing his first game at running back. I just want to throw that out there. Um, and I, I talked to the I talked to the guy, um, FAMU's SID. So listen, there is real talks. I know HBCU game day, Sam Herter have talked about it on Twitter. There's real talks of FAMU fundraising or getting together the money to realistically host a playoff game in the first round of the playoffs. If they're selected, if I'm not mistaken, bids are kind of already coming up uh, being due for everyone on the bubble. So there was a real push for FAMU and some alumni and boosters behind the scenes to, to find a way to host a playoff game. I've already talked to the SID over at FAMU. Listen, I will be in Bragg if that if there's a chance. And even if FAMU gets in the playoffs and they have to travel, that's going to be my first round game. I want to go see FAMU play in person. That's one of the that's one team that's one of the teams in the SWAC that I had plans on seeing this year that I just haven't had a chance to go see them play in person. So another week of South Carolina State losing the most overrated, overhyped defending champion I've ever seen. <laughs> We're going to talk about game day here in a minute, too. Um, oh, yeah, so, Wayne, let me – listen, me and Scotty are good. Um, you know, the week before he was sick, he had the flu, so we didn't do the roundtable. This past week, I had something come up for work on Thursday, so we moved it to Friday. I got caught caught up traveling to Macon, Georgia, to go cover the Mercer game, and Scotty got caught up coming down to Mobile – and also it had to go do some things to get his passes and tickets and things like that uh, through through the A&M staff that he got it through. So our schedules just gen, um, ended up not matching up on Friday. So we had to cancel the show. But listen, the roundtable is back at its normal time this week, man. And we have a lot to catch up on for both of us. So roundtable is coming back, man. It's just been two crazy weeks where we, uh, we've had something come up and we had to move it. My prediction, I, I listen, I had y'all scoring 10, Reese, and y'all scored 13. So my score for AM was pretty on point. My score for Jackson, not so much. Um, let's see. I don't okay. So D, I, I don't want them to play in the first round. If NT wins this weekend against Gardner Webb, they get the auto bid. And if FAMU gets in, I hope I hope FAMU and AT are not on the same side of the bracket. Or if they're on the same side of the bracket being different, um, like one up top and one, you know, down bottom where the only way they would compete is in the semifinals. I hope they don't make that a first round matchup. And based on who's going to get into the playoffs, I don't think A&T FAMU is going to 
be the closest matchup for either either one of those teams. And definitely hit the like button, man, if you're just getting in. Uh, let's see. You were wrong for the first time, Blue. Buddy Pew has to go. <laughs> the crazy part, uh, Jerome, is I picked um, I picked Howard to beat South Carolina State. That was one of my upset picks of the week, and I got that one right. Uh, it's just I still don't know if you could fire him, though, Jerome, but we're going to talk about that game pretty soon. Um, Mr. Campbell said he got the call to donate for the game. I I love it. I, I'm hoping if fam you gets to host a playoff game, that is a, a that's a huge home field advantage in, in the playoffs. Let's see. Not worried about him. I remember I, I was here looking for you, but okay, I got you. Roundtable is going to be four hours this week. <laughs> I agree, man. But listen, week eleven FCS recap. Before we get started, I know there was a comment earlier. The second time this season that college game day will be going to an FCS campus. I'm so excited. They'll be headed up to Bozeman, Montana, for um, campus of Montana State for the Brawl of the Wild. Montana versus Montana State will be the site of college game day this weekend. And I I don't think people realize how big of a deal this is, like in in terms of what week they got picked. I mean, there were, in my opinion, I didn't didn't think they were going to get picked just because at the end of the season, there's usually some big games. Listen, man, two FCS schools in one year. And we're not talking about two FCS schools getting picked in like a MEAC SWAC challenge in a neutral site game, but two campuses actually picked in the middle of the season is amazing to see um, to see happen. And it, it was a great publicity thing for the big sky to be promoting for this. And I'm just, I'm, I'm happy that, Jackson State and also Montana State. Montana got to put on for the FCS, and I'm expecting a huge crowd. And it's going to be it's going to be cold. If you're going to game day, it, just go ahead and bundle up. Because if I'm not mistaken, the weather's like zero degrees uh, this Saturday up in Bozeman, Montana. So it, it, it's going to be it, it's, it's going to be a blast, man. But players of the week, real quick: Marquis Johnson, Montana State. Now, hear me out. Montana State wide receiver Marquis Johnson. And as a wide receiver, his first game playing running back due to injuries at running back for Montana State. Johnson steps into a running back role, has 24 carries for 242 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns, and averaged 18.6 yards per carry in his first ever game playing running back. That, I mean, I, I don't even know if there's words to explain the type of performance that Marquis Johnson put on this weekend. Mon- Montana State had an absolute dominant win, but Marquis Johnson, by far, player of the week, in my opinion, playing out of position, playing it, playing in a big game where Montana State had to continue to win to get into the playoffs. That, that this was or not get to the plus they had to continue when to con- compete for the big sky but 24 carries 242 four rushing touchdowns tim demore and michael Lairs are the two quarterback player of the weeks is anyone surprised if if lindsey scott had a lindsey scott had a bye week so who do you expect to step in it's tim demore 71 percent completion percentage 482 through the air four passing touchdowns and demore got busy on the ground with two rushing touchdowns so six total touchdowns almost 500 yards of total offense for demore and that walter payton award race 
this might this might be one of the tighter Walter Payton voting. I, I would I would say just overall, like who's going to win one of the tightest races in a long time. I mean, between Tim Demore and Lindsey Scott, it is going to it is going to come down to every every single vote. And Tim Demore made a had an outstanding performance this past um, this past weekend. Also, Michael Ayers has inserted his name. I think Michael Ayers right now. You can make a very good argument that Michael Ayers is the third best quarterback in the FCS right now, behind Demore and Lindsey Scott this year. 78.7% completion percentage this weekend. He's on pace to break the NCAA record for completion percentage in a year for quarterbacks that have thrown over a certain number of attempts. 353 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown against one of the best defenses in, in, in the SoCon in Chattanooga on the road. Sanford clinches um the socon this year now and so they get the auto bid but man michael Ayers with his with his efficiency with his ability in his in his first year starting out of juco for sanford man he has absolutely put himself firmly in the top three in my opinion at least top five for quarterbacks in the fcs i still think it's demora and scott than everybody else to a point but michael Ayers. Solka, Shador Sanders, Parker McKinney, all those guys, I think, have a pretty good argument for three through six, just just in my opinion. Uh, yeah, Tim Demore is a senior. Eric, he'll be entering he'll he'll be entering the draft now. Michael Ayers is a junior. It's his first year out of junior college, so Michael Ayers has another year at Sanford. And Lindsey Scott, um, Lindsey Scott is also a graduate transfer, so Lindsey Scott will be out of Incarnate Word after the season. Now, defensive players of the week was really tough, man. Um, an honorable mention, I, before I get to these three guys, an honorable mention to Dre Jones from FAMU. Three sacks, three and a half tackles for loss on four tackles this past weekend. Also had a big force fumble for FAMU. Dre Jones was a close, close honorable mention here for defensive player of the week for the Rattlers. And Zeke Vandenberg, 10 total tackles, four for loss, three sacks, a pick for Illinois State this weekend at the linebacker spot. He is firmly in the race for the Buck Buchanan Award, especially after John Pius has really slowed down his pace over the past few weeks. Eric Hunter from Morgan State, another big win for the Bears. And Damon Wilson, is it, I, he deserves so much credit, man, for, for what he's done year one. I it I, I just I don't know I don't know what the potential is for the program, but I think going into next year, and and I would say in the next three years, I said this in the summer, the next three years I think Morgan wins a MEAC championship, and 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 that that's my bold prediction moving forward is that I think in the next three years you're gonna see Morgan State win the MEAC and get to the Celebration Bowl. But Hunter, eleven total tackles, four for loss, two sacks, a big pass breakup in a crucial moment. And then Brandon Larry from Nickel State, 14 total tackles, three and a half for loss, a sack, and a forced fumble, and a big win for Nickel State over Texas AM Commerce this weekend. And Nickel State can play spoiler this upcoming week as Southeastern Louisiana comes in. And if Southeastern Louisiana loses, they're probably out of the playoffs. And it's going to be a must win on Thursday night on the road. That's going to be a game to watch this this next weekend. But real quick, Johnson, Demorat, Ayers is our offense are are our offensive players of the week. Vandenberg, Hunter, Larry, defensive players of the week here. 
Now, some notable scores before we get into games of the week, HBC recap, all that. North Dakota State goes on the road against Southern Illinois, pulls out a close win, 21-18. to um, Southern Illinois needed this one. Um, if Southern Illinois wins this game and – and wins out next week, they had a really good shot at stealing, I would say, one of the one of the at-large bids from somebody. And they they just couldn't do it, man. Nick Baker had a solid game, but, man, five sacks this weekend for, for the Bison defense. And it just it seemed to make Baker extremely uncomfortable in the pocket. And... They just they they couldn't run, they ran the ball fairly fairly well over 120 yards on the ground but they weren't very efficient only 2.8 yards per carry but the the key for stopping North Dakota State and I've said this is probably the I, I don't want to say the least talented this has been the most underachieving or unimpressive North Dakota State team that I've seen in a, in a in probably what three four years maybe. They've run the ball so well. I mean, they, they have four or five running backs that can run the ball consistently. And other I, – I mean, if you just load the box and put the game on Miller, I, I just don't know what the potential is for North Dakota State to make a real run to Frisco this year. Like, I really do think right now if you were – if you were – betting on the favorite right now for the for the championship and I don't know if North Dakota State should be one or two in terms of favorites to go to Frisco and win I they performed fairly well on the road man James uh Cascor and linebacker is legit 14 plus tackles this weekend Spencer Wagey had a big game from his defensive end spot Michael Tutsi did a thing but I still think that I still think that defense is a little bit banged up with injuries, but this was a win that North Dakota State had to have next week. If, if they win out, they'll probably be a top four or five seed, but it's going to be a lot different in that semifinal trip if they got to travel to Bozeman. If they have to travel somewhere else and not have that game in the Fargo Dome, I'm really going to be interested to see how North Dakota State handles that on the road uh, late in the playoffs because they haven't had to face that in a little while. Now, their rival South South Dakota State looked impressive again, thirty-one to seven over the Redbirds this weekend. They made Rittenhouse for Illinois State look completely pedestrian. Nine for twenty, fifty-five yards through the air for Illinois State, and Mark Gronikowski did his thing, two eighty-three through the air. And we already know what happens in a South Dakota State game. They run for a hundred, hundred and fifty yards. And they hold the other team to absolutely nothing. They they held Illinois State to two yards per carry, forty five yards on the ground. They still have not allowed. They, they've only allowed two teams, including North Dakota State, to get over hundred yards on the ground. That's the key. If you cannot run the ball against South Dakota State, it is an issue. Zeke Vandenberg, I already mentioned, he had a huge game for Illinois State, but outside of that, man, there was not much to be excited about. The defense just has so much talent for South Dakota State. They fly around to the football, they're disciplined, and they do not allow explosive plays. If you are not going to beat the Jacks this year, if you cannot produce explosive plays, that's the biggest question mark when, when you got to match up with them. If they are going to make you drive the football 12, 15 plays down the field, and if you cannot consistently do that, 
you're not going to beat South Dakota State this year. I think they they made a big statement with an impressive win over Illinois State this weekend. Now, an upset in the make. Well, I guess you. Some people called it an upset. I I consider it an upset. Some people kind of saw this one coming, but UC Davis knocks off Idaho 44-26, and UC Davis has a chance to cause absolute chaos on the FCS playoff bubble this year. If they, if UC Davis beats Sac State this upcoming weekend, they're going to have a top five strength of schedule. They're going to have some, they're going to have multiple ranked wins and their losses are going to come to probably top 10 teams. UC Davis is going to take a spot from a deserving team on the bubble if they win out. If you're a FAMU fan, if you're a Mercer fan, if you're even a Montana fan, if, if, if they lose this weekend, UC Davis cannot win out. If UC Davis wins out, they're getting into the playoffs over over, over your favorite team. I'm just telling you right now. Miles Hastings had a great game, 16 for 19, 206 through the air. Giovanni McCoy still did his thing, but it came down to the running, the, the rushing attack of UC Davis. Alonzo Gilliam is is an absolute monster man 164 three touchdowns over five yards per carry Lan Larson he had a, he had an outstanding game in terms of a backup running back UC Davis is just so efficient man but on the flip side even though Idaho lost Hayden Hatton is a star in the making move from tight end to wide receiver 13 catches 126 two touchdowns he now leads the country in receiving touchdowns for the Vandals and I, I don't think anybody saw him coming, and he's been such an intricate part in the development of Giovanni McCoy. It just when you can't when when Idaho hangs their hat on time of possession and controlling the football, you cannot allow a team just to run the ball down your throat. It's the quickest way to get beat. And Idaho lost the time of possession battle. When you look at all their big wins, that was the key. And so I I, I think. Idaho this weekend, man, they showed that if you can run the football, take take the ball away from them, man. It, it's it's hard. It's going to be hard for them to win. And I agree, Ron. They're going to be on the bubble now. Idaho is, is going to be one of those teams that you have a question mark next to when you're looking at the bracket. And I'll, I'll be releasing my bracketology on the preview show later this week. One of the undefeateds go down this weekend, though. Princeton entered this game undefeated 8-0. Yale knocks off the Tigers this weekend, man. Forced two big interceptions for Blake Strandstrom for Princeton, and they were able to run the football straight down Princeton's throat. All year long, Princeton has played outstanding defense. They came in as the number two defense behind Jackson State in the country this year. Nolan Grooms, Joshua Pittsburgher ran the football right down their throat. The Grooms 152 on the ground, seven and a half yards per carry, while Pittsburgh ran for 108 and a touchdown. Yale put up almost 300 yards rushing, over five and a half yards per carry. Princeton had no answer. Princeton leaned on their defense all year long as their as their offense was a little bit inconsistent. Outside of his Lovas and Classy at the wide receiver spot, Princeton didn't have any, I would say, real playmakers to go just just make plays down the field that they needed chase needed made one big catch for for gill and it and it really put him over the top and that was that was the story of this one man princeton has been getting away with average offense due to how great their defense has been playing yale was able to run the football down their throat and there was nothing they could do about it but princeton 
Yale, still in contention for the Ivy League, is going to come down to who wins their final game of the season. And Princeton has a much tougher matchup, in my opinion, with Penn. And Yale's got a big matchup with Harvard this weekend in the game and one of the biggest rivalries in the country. Now, for the top FCS games, well, let me get to this caller real quick, man. We'll go into some of the top FCS games. 7485, you're live. Yeah, what's up, Blue? This is Margo from Jackson. What's good, man? Uh, nothing much. Uh, I ain't going to say much about him. Of course, you already know I'm going to say much about Jackson. Um, they did what we expect them to do. Maybe not as pretty, but it is what it is. We got the win. Um, but, hey, I want to highlight you about, yo, did you catch that Vanderbilt and Kentucky game, man? Yeah, I did. It's, it's tough, ain't it? <laughs> that's crazy, man. Look, that's all I wanted to call you about, man. I, I when I seen, I said, "Wow, bro." Uh, yeah, hey, anything can be beat, man. You know, um, for my fellow Jackson fans, hey, look, any given Saturday, bro. Humble yourself, truly. I, all right, Blue. Hey, appreciate you, man. Right. I, I will. I will say about that game. I, that is why I, I I don't know if y'all saw um, Blitz City Kobe's show when I was on their on, on his FBF show. I don't understand why Will Levis has so much NFL hype. I don't I, I've watched film on all these quarterbacks coming out, and I, I don't see any NFL potential written on him. I'll take Tim Demore right over him. I'll take Lindsey Scott over him. I'll take Grayson McCall over him. I it would like. How in the hell is Will Levis a top quarterback? Like, I get it. You could say potential. You could say he has the, uh, what is it, the tools to potentially be a good quarterback, man. I I, I don't understand it. Maybe someone could call in or, or comment and explain what they see in, in Levis, but I, I, don't, I don't see an NFL quarterback written anywhere on Will Levis as of right now. Um, and – D, that, that's that's why I brought it up. Someone told me, like, there was a group chat I was in with, with some other people who were uh, sports people, and they said that, that they said they would take Levis over Stroud right now, and I don't understand how anybody in their right mind could say that. Like, there's not even a debate. In my, like, I mean, it's Stroud and Young are the top two quarterbacks in this next draft class, and it's not even close. It, it It's just, I, I can't understand it, but... I, we'll, we'll we'll let that one ride, man. But we'll, we'll, maybe we can uh, readdress it later in the show if someone wants to call in and defend Will Levis because I don't see it. But Southeastern Louisiana takes a step forward in clinching the in clinching the Southland, and if they win on Thursday night over Nickel State, Southeastern Louisiana will take the will take the automatic bid from the Southland, and. Incarnate Word will be dropped to an at-large bid. If you're FAMU, if you <laughs> again, if your team is on the bubble, you you need to be the biggest Nickel State fans of all time. You need to be the biggest Nickel State fan on Thursday night of all time because FAMU, all those bubble teams. If Southeastern Louisiana takes the auto bid and Incarnate Word drops to an at-large team, the bubble like you have no shot on the bubble. That that take that's going to take another spot, um, 
away from another deserving team. Like the bubble is going to be insane if SLU wins the conference. And uh, okay, fair enough, Mr. Campbell. <laughs> fair enough on that. The same reason, the same reason Mitch Trubisky got drafted over Deshaun Watson. He, I don't even think he looks the part. I, I don't understand. I, I, um, Young's a junior, uh, Brian. Uh, if you're talking about Bryce Young, Bryce Young's a junior. But uh, man, this weekend it was another. S SLU is one of the weirdest teams to watch because I think. I, including myself, got so accustomed to watching them throw it around the throw it around the field with Cole Kelly and some great quarterbacks, man. And now they ran the ball 47 times this weekend. And Jesse Britt had an outstanding game over 120 yards on the ground. Carlos Washington did his thing as well. Eli Sawyer is clearly the better, I would say, passer of him and Cephas Johnson. But They've run this two-quarterback scheme, and it just seems to work at times. But the real impressive thing is the defense for me. SLU last year, the biggest critique was you had Cole Kelly, but you had zero defense. They've played extremely well on the defensive side of the football this year. Dante Daniels, legit. Danielle Ward-McGee, legit. Brandon Barbie, legit. I mean, they have so many playmakers in all three levels of their defense that I think that's really what separates – this year's SLU team from teams of the past. I mean, they held they held Northwestern State to 200 yards of total offense for seven punts, held them to three for 13 on third downs, held them to less than 25 minutes of possession times. And I, I, you've got to give Southeastern a lot of credit for the way they've rebuilt the brand of what their team is. And I say this all the time on the show, good coaches – build their scheme, build their teams around the talent on the roster. They don't try to take a bunch of guys that they have and force them into a certain scheme where it may not work. Good coaching can build schemes around good players, and that is what you're seeing at SLU. Go watch film. Go watch two games from last year and what SLU was doing, and go watch two games from this year and look at the difference in just play calling, coaching. I mean, it It is completely different and it just speaks to those coaches recognizing what they have and recognizing what they have to do to put players in 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 good situations to succeed man slu big win 23 7 this weekend over northwestern state have a chance on thursday night i might be at that game i'm gonna I'm try to maybe swing that but um, a huge game against Nickel State on Thursday night. Now, Furman Mercer, this was the game I was at. You can check out the highlights on the channel. Pictures coming soon. I do want to say, I always talk about my trips, places. This, I, it was homecoming and senior day at Mercer. I will say this was one of the best environments that I've been in. And, I mean, listen, the crowd was engaging. The PA announcer was getting people going. They had stuff playing on the Jumbotron that was getting people riled up. It was homecoming, so people were already kind of pumped up about it. And and I will say this. I don't know. And and Mr. Campbell's the money guy, so I'm sure he'll call in after I say this and kind of educate me on the background. That was probably the nicest campus I think I've been on this year. Now, I will say Chattanooga's uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee State, those games were off campus, so I really didn't get to compare those campuses. But Mercer had one of the nicest campuses I've been on, dude. I mean, it was insane how nice that campus was and all the 
and, and everything in that stadium and, and the facilities. It was insane. And I I did not think a little college in Macon, Georgia would have that type of um that that type of campus. I mean, it it was nice and the stadium was beautiful and it it, it was I had an absolute blast this weekend. So shout out to everyone over at Mercer um that, that I got to meet and talk to this weekend. But I was I might be banned from going to see Mercer play. I've, I've seen Mercer twice now, and they lost both games, both conference games, and it might have cost them a playoff spot. So I, I don't know if y'all be getting many Mercer highlights from me moving forward because I, I, I think they're getting annoyed with me coming to cover their game and them losing. But Tyler Huff is the, is the one story I want to talk about. Now, Furman's sitting here with two losses, and one loss came at the FBS level. And the other loss came with a backup quarterback to Sanford a few weeks earlier. If Tyler Huff plays in that Sanford game, I I don't I don't know if they lose that game. Tyler Huff just has a just has th- that aura around him when he's playing. He reminds me of you know it could be because it's number six, but but just the way he plays, it, it it's almost like a Baker Mayfield playmaker type um, like style to him where, man, he can air it out if he needs to. He threw for 293 and a touchdown, and then he can get out of the pocket and, and make plays with his legs, and he's tough, and, and man, he's not afraid to take a hit. And at 76 yards rushing a touchdown to Tyler Huff is the key to the offense for Furman, man. He had an outstanding game. Dominic Roberto did his thing. Uh, Joshua Harris, 146 and a touchdown through the air. But on the defensive side of the football, here's something that um, I, I've noticed with Mercer. The two games I've been to were their two big losses. It was a loss to Chattanooga and a loss to Furman. Mercer has uh, had, seems to struggle with um, – hang on real quick. Um, I get what you're saying, T. I didn't say he could – like I don't think he's an NFL guy. But Baker Mayfield in college was legit. I don't care what anyone says. Listen, projecting to the NFL is different. Any, any, listen, there's a bunch of people in this chat. You would take Baker Mayfield in college over your quarterback now. I guarantee it. And it's not even a discussion. It, that's just, that is a fact. Please, I, I didn't even see the question, uh, Mr. Campbell, but yes, JSU cannot go to the playoffs. They've already clinched the division. Um, like, Jack, okay, so for anyone, everyone in the chat who may have missed it, Jackson State won the division. So even if they lose this weekend, they're still going to the SWAC championship. So the, the, we got we to gotta dead the playoff talk, man. You, we got to dead the playoff talk. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, no playoff talk there. But um, Mercer really struggles with big physical defensive lines and it was apparent this weekend that man the two interior defensive tackles for Furman absolutely ate them up man just I mean ate the offensive line from Mercer up and they weren't able to run the football effectively and when you can't run the football effectively it takes a lot of what Mercer likes to do with Fred Payton and that running back and um it, it 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 just loses it, man. And when you look at the rushing attack, Devron Harper was the leading rusher for Mercer, 24 yards. He's the leading wide receiver 
in terms of running back, Mercer did not have a running back to hit 15 yards. They ran for 53 yards, 1.8 yards per carry. And that's not going to win you many ball games, man. You've got to give a props to you've got to give props to Furman's defense. They were able to get pressure on the quarterback, completely shut down the run, and they were able to produce explosive plays in crucial moments. Also, Braden Gilby at linebacker number 43. Future NFL prospect at linebacker, 11 tackles, two for loss, a big sack, and a crucial moment for them. And Furman is just so physical. And I think this this is a team. I think I'll say this. Furman is a team I think is being overlooked in terms of playoff success. And I, I, I really do think Furman, if they get past the first round, get a good matchup in the second round, do not be surprised. Um. If if they make a little run, I'll just say that I think Furman is better equipped to make a run um, moving forward. That, and no, okay. Before I get to the New Hampshire game, D, this is what gets me the most. Okay, I'm just gonna we're gonna go on a little rant here on the show list, and we got some time. But and here's the thing: I'm the first one on this channel to explain why like Jackson shouldn't go to the playoffs, can't go to the playoffs, and like. I try to I try to like give all the facts behind it, but then I'm the first one that people like to blame for like like being the guy pushing the narrative that Jackson has to go to the playoffs, and it's oh man, it is so frustrating. It was it's like man, if you just watch the show, like I'm cool, like I don't care, like I don't even care, like I don't even ever like I'm good, and I had even someone today like drop a comment that the um the voters and and the FCS people are so offended um about it that uh they're dropping Jackson in the rankings to punish Prime because he hates the playoffs and just, Jesus Christ man it's it it is I I, I can't catch a break here. I, I say Jackson shouldn't go to the playoffs and then somehow I still get tagged in chats and it was like you see if you were informed on the playoffs you wouldn't want them to go. And I was like, I never, I, I don't want them to go. Like I'm, I'm good. I'll be covering the celebration ball over the playoffs on what, what is it? December 16th. I'll be in Atlanta that weekend. It's, oh my goodness. They did not That's the worst part. Sonic boom. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to do a little educational thing for everybody. There is the coaches poll and there is the FCS stats perform media poll. And people cannot comprehend that they are, ranked differently in the two polls sonic boom so i've i've received listen i will i'll have to pull up receipts on like the round table or something i've had so many dms about why i like me personally have dropped jackson state from five and i'm like jackson state has never been five in my poll in the media poll like they're on they're on <laughs> they're only five in the coaches poll like that's the only poll that they are five and it's just, oh my goodness. I'm I, like, listen, you got to distinguish that there are multiple polls and stop comparing polls to each other. Like they, they are, uh, man, it, you guys don't understand the frustration of having consistently, like people try to call you out on it. It is wild. Yeah. Coaches have always had them higher and there's a reason for that. We've already, we've already, uh, we've already talked about it on, on the show too. About why, um, about why it is like that, but yeah, it, it's crazy. And um, 
<laughs> he said just like there's a it, yeah there's three polls in the fbs and, and there's no confusion i don't understand why at the fcs level there's so much confusing over which poll we're, we're <laughs> what we're talking about killing me but um at, yeah and and here this is this is it. it it doesn't matter at the end of the day like if i'm an ivy league team well ivy league really don't it, it really doesn't matter for the ivy league teams but if i'm ivy league me act swag man i do not care I, I don't blame you listen when people when when i know ken clark and everyone's saying we don't care about the rankings i'm i, I don't blame you i wouldn't care either because the only the only teams that it would really matter at the end of the day where you're ranked is, is if you're going to the playoffs. And that's cool. Like, I'm good with it. You shouldn't care if it doesn't affect, like, your overall end goal, which at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if Jackson State's ranked 1 or 110th. They're going to Atlanta, and they're going to play North Carolina Central for the – oh, timeout. My bad. They're – going to the SWAC championship for an opportunity to play probably PV to go to the celebration bowl. My bad. I don't want to just put them there. That's a little bit disrespectful, but you you guys get what I mean. You, you, <laughs> you get what I mean there that their goal is Atlanta and it's looking like they're going to get there. And I'll just say that. Um, but other than that, New Hampshire, big win, <laughs> big, big win over Rhode Island, 31, 28, Max Brosmer, huge day, 316, two touchdowns. They did a great job holding Marquise the Shields at running back for Rhode Island to only 77 yards on the ground. Nobody has been able to shut him down pretty much all season long. Neither team was able to run the football extremely efficiently, but it came down to Brosmer versus Hill, and I, I, Brosmer is by far the better quarterback, and he he definitely showed it this this weekend and i think he had a he had a very very impressive game and new hampshire needed this one if new hampshire loses this game they're probably out out of the playoff race this was a big in-conference win now i'll have to pull it up but if they tie with william and mary so if new hampshire and william and mary win um this next weekend If I'm not mistaken, if William, this is going to sound confusing, so just hang with me. And if y'all need me to explain it a different way in the chat, just tell me. If New Hampshire and William Mary both win in tie for the CAA, New Hampshire will get the auto bid. If William and Mary doesn't beat, um, doesn't beat Richmond by I think 16. If I'm not mistaken, so it comes down to point differential in common games. So I think if William and Mary beats Richmond by more than 16, they they clinch it. If and it, it, it's just it's all going to come down to this. If New Hampshire and William and Mary win, it's going to come down to who wins this weekend's game by more. That's it. And so it's going to be it's going to be a tight race, but big win for New Hampshire over Rhode Island. And then finally, Richmond Delaware 21-13. This was a defensive battle. And Nolan Henderson made too many mistakes to win this game. 196, two interceptions for the signal caller for the Blue Hens. Reese Judinsky throws for 301, continues his efficient year. And this, this is going to sound a little bit, this is, this is going to sound a little bit insane here. But Richmond scores zero offensive touchdowns in this game. Y'all see the score 21 to 13. Richmond kicked all field goals and then had a fumble recovery with as time expired against Delaware this weekend. Zero offensive touchdowns for the Spiders. And 
they per, they got outgained everything like that it just came down to them making them get into the red zone and actually converting in their red zone opportunities delaware went one for three in the red zone richmond went two for two and also had that big fumble recovery and just at least got field goals when they got into delaware territory that is that's that is where um that, that 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 was the difference in the game and i agree chris i was about to get into that delaware is almost in a must-win situation with how tight the bubble is with the potential of um potential southeastern louisiana getting in the potential of like uc davis causing some drama delaware is going to have to win their last game they're sitting at seven and three they traveled to they traveled to villanova this uh, this next weekend, Chris. If Delaware doesn't win, they they might be on the outside looking in, and I don't think Rhode Island's in. Champ, if I had if I was making a bracket right now, I would say Rhode Island is on the outside looking in. I I, I don't think that I don't think they're gonna make it. Um, you know, let me pull up their resume because I, I don't have everything uh, set up in front of me, but. Based on because they were on the bubble already, so Rhode Island sitting at six and four right now. They have a loss to Delaware, a loss to Pittsburgh, and FBS loss probably doesn't matter. They do have a win over Elon. That's great. They but they they lost to William and Mary. They lost to New Hampshire in their final games at U Albany. The final. So I don't think they have any quality wins. Uh, see to get into the playoffs. So I think Rhode Island is out regardless of what happens next week it just it just in my opinion i I don't if if i'm the committee i don't think rhode island's getting in they're probably going to be there's too many good teams on the bubble this year they they might have made the bubble last year this year might be the most packed bubble that we've seen in a long time and i'm going to be working on getting sam herter and craig haley um on the show to talk about some playoffs either this week or next week and and then we'll kind of see definitely hit the like button man appreciate all y'all tuning in but HBCU recap week 11. I didn't change any of these games up because th- these were the four games I think everybody wanted to talk about. And hmm, where do I start? Like, I don't know where to start on all these four games. I, I'll just go in order because there's one I really want to talk about, but FAMU, Alabama State, what a game! This was this this really was one of the better games of the season. Like if you haven't watched the FAMU Alabama State game, you you got to go check it out now. It was a hell of a game this weekend, and Jeremy Musa had his moments where he looked solid, but man, he looked shaky at times. Alabama State's defense gave him fits in terms of coverages getting pressure on him at times, but three interceptions. He did throw two big touchdowns, but you got to give FAMU credit as well. That front seven, we finally saw the emergence of the front seven that FAMU was supposed to have. Six sacks this weekend. Isaiah Major had a big game, but Isaiah Land, two and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. Dre Jones, three and a half tackles for loss, three sacks. And you... if uh, there was times that there was, there have been times this year where you can give FAMU's offense a lot of credit on pulling out the win. 
But this game, you really have to give it to the defense. FAMU's defense kept them in the game. I, I, their offense struggled, like had moments, but really struggled at times. And I don't understand why they can't run the football. The offense, the offensive line has performed extremely well in pass blocking and hasn't, and, and has been. I think they still rank top five in the SWAC in terms of. <clears throat> sacks allowed this year but in terms of run blocking they seem to be they, they just seem to be missing that piece kind of similar to how jackson state was last year where you're like man the talent is there the size is there what's not clicking they're they're missing that last little bit of ingredient i just they're miss like i don't get how you have Jalen mcleod aj davis terrell jennings and you can't run the football it, it doesn't it, logically, it makes zero sense. And I, I, yeah, his throws were terrible. Like when, when I say Musa turned the football over, he turned the football over. And also, there's, I, I'm going to pick on FAMU here for just a second. We're going to have to talk about this. There is no way your recruiting base is in Florida and you can't have more than two playmakers on the outside of wide receiver. I mean, Xavier Smith and Jamari Sharid combined for, I think, 19 of the 25 catches, and they accounted for like 95% of the yards. There's got to be another wide receiver on the roster that can go make a play. Yeah, this has to be. Xavier Smith is that guy, though, 145, one touchdown on 13 catches. I just, I, I don't. I, I, to compete in the playoffs, if they get there, they're going to need more than Xavier Smith and Jamari Sharid. You you have you have to have some depth at the wide receiver spot, and it doesn't make any sense um, on why they don't have that much talent on the outside. So, and I and that's why I don't understand why he doesn't get more targets. I think he has. He has some potential, and he has the ability to go up and get some passes, even when they're a little bit off target. But that's it. <laughs> that's almost, he won't throw it. He won't throw it to anyone else. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Watching the film, like there are wide open people. Like I, I don't understand it. But I also want to give a shout out Colton Adams when the when the swag. When the SWAC announces their all-conference team, what, in two weeks? It better say Colton Adams right next to Aubrey Miller's name at the linebacker spot. There are not two better linebackers in the SWAC right now than Colton Adams and, and Aubrey Miller. You could throw Isaiah Major in there at, at the, at the I would say, third spot, but it is um, Colton Adams and, and Aubrey Miller. Colton Adams all over the place. Another 15-tackle performance for him. And also, you got to give FAMU credit. The clutch field goal block there, man. I don't think people realize, on as an offensive lineman, field goal blocking is supposed to be the most simple thing in the world. Because, you know, you can get a block off the end because you got like a tight end or, or someone out there on the edge. But as an offensive lineman, you, you got your biggest and strongest guys in the middle of that um, special teams formation. And you cannot, like, there is no way if you 
properly execute what you're supposed to do, that you should get a pressure right up the middle like that. They just, I mean, they just got their ass whooped. You cannot, you can, you cannot allow that to happen. And so it was a clutch play by FAMU, but also a huge, huge mistake by Alabama State. Both of these teams, in my opinion, are still two of the best teams in the conference. And it was, I think it was a great game, but this was a big win for FAMU. This was a game, I don't think Bethune-Cookman next week is going to be very competitive, just in my opinion. This was their test. This was a road test. It could have been, it could have been a quote-unquote trap game. But man, fam, you found a way to pull it off, and that's what that's what good teams do, even when they might not play A plus football. Uh, they still win, and you got to give them, you got to give them credit. Hang on, Drizzy. Travis Hunter has played three games, all swag first team. That people shouldn't even be asking that. There's zero shot, and if they if they do, they gave it to him strictly based on name, strictly based on name. Like he he didn't earn a damn thing if they give him all swag. I'm sorry, no offense, he's talented. First team all swag, come come on man. That they they should just throw away all conference because it would mean nothing if he got all first team all conference. It, it, it come on. Oh, that's that's tough. That, <laughs> that's bad. I'm hoping there's not people out there who think he's a first-team all-conference player this year. I'm really hoping there's not. No way, but anyway. <laughs> um, Texas Southern, I owe an apology. I picked against them. This was my second upset Pick of the week. I, I picked Howard correctly, but I gotta I gotta take my L on this one. Man, Texas Southern came out here and smacked Grambling. It six sacks for Texas Southern's defense forced two big interceptions between uh, Chavez and Hawkins at quarterback, and they consistently, consistently made plays. The rushing attack, electric. 253 on the ground. Ladarius Owens goes for 100. Kevin Harris goes for over 50. Andrew Body put up 43. And Andrew Body was efficient as, as could be. Andrew Body, 15 for 22, 192 touchdowns, no turnovers. 65-yard bomb where he just, put, he just put it out there. Joshua Johnson for Grambling and Lyndon Rash were two most consistent. But, man, Grambling... You got to take the G. You I just they they should just come out in unlabeled clothing next week. This was a beatdown all around. I mean, I don't have much to say about this game. I will have to say though, everyone who got on Isaiah Hamilton last week, the kick and ball man. Look, he just went up against some really good wide receivers. I still think Isaiah Hamilton's first team all swag. I'm getting together my all conference and all American teams. I don't know if y'all want y'all can put in the chat. I, do you guys want me to do a live stream, live reveal of all conference and all American teams on the channel? Because I'm already getting them together. They're going to drop the week after the last uh, the, the the week after the last week of the season, and I've already been putting them together. So let me know if y'all want to live stream that. But I definitely think um, Isaiah Hamilton has earned his spot. Had a big interception, and Texas Southern's defense played well, and also Grambling 
just looks bad. And it was still it, it I get it's Hugh Jackson's first year and he had offensive coordinator issues this this um all season, but I expected a little bit more from Grambling. And Texas Southern right now sitting in second place in the SWAC or tied for second place in the SWAC uh West. You've got to, you, you've got to. I, I think McKinley has done enough to keep his job. I, I really do. I know people are calling for his head weekly, but I, I still think if if they win their last game, I think if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, they they play in Huntsville next week, or is it opposite? I know they play Alabama AM. I'm pretty sure they play in Huntsville next week. If he goes into Huntsville and wins that game, that'll be huge and texas southern is going to probably finish second in the west which is just crazy to think about and um yeah that's that's how i feel about that one now these last two games these last two games we're gonna have to have a real discussion about and the call lines are already open 701-779-9585 we're gonna have to have a discussion about these last two games because oh my goodness Howard knocks off South Carolina State 28 to 14 on senior day up there <laughs> up there in DC. Oh my god. I picked Howard to win this game. But South Carolina State can't even blame it on Corey Fields this time. Corey Fields didn't even play this game. They started Prometheus Franklin, who was a true freshman coming in, he went six for 16, 70 yards a pick, and he had one touchdown. And then Tyrese Nick threw three total passes and still got sacked on his three attempts. I I, I just want to put something in perspective. Howard beat South Carolina State by double digits with a quarterback in Quentin Williams, who was eight for 16 and threw for 81 yards. I'm going to just repeat that. They they lost to a quarterback by double digits who completed less than 50% of his passes for less than 85 total yards through the air. I just, and if, if you, this is just, this is bad, but I want to give a shout out. I tagged him on Twitter on Saturday. If you didn't watch this game, Jarrett Hunter is legit. At 149 on the ground, one rushing touchdown, also had two receiving touchdowns, three for 43 as a, as a, as a running back out the backfield. And Howard ran for 290 on the ground, averaged over six yards per carry. They dominated the line of scrimmage. I totally, I want to go back because I did, I did catch a lot of flack because I, I picked them in the MEAC SWAC challenge and they ended up losing to Alabama State and everyone was like, man, you overrated the talent. You overrated the offensive line, D-line. Howard's got legit talent. I'm just, Man, the offensive line is one of the best in the conference and they have some guys like Kenny Gallup who are some of the best players at their position um, in the conference. They just if, if they could just get some consistent quarterback play, they could have easily won the conference. It just I, for me, it came down to Rashard versus Quentin Williams, and that is why that I think Central is coming away with the division. I think in other positions, Howard can hang with Central at other positions 
outside of quarterback, I think that is where the biggest separating factor is between Howard and North Carolina Central. Uh, Shaq Davis did his um, Shaq Davis was solid three for 88. He don't have a quarterback. And when, when you look at the defense, BJ Davis did his thing again. Kenny Gallup had a big game, but Jevin Jackson, if you remember, he won the MVP of the Swag Miak Challenge, had two and a half tackles for loss, half a sack, played a big role in how we're dominating the line of scrimmage. But it just shows you that. It's a new season, and it looks like South Carolina State was extremely, extremely overrated. And this has become a situation now where if South Carolina State doesn't hit the transfer portal or develop somebody in-house fast, it is going to be another long year. It is It is going to be an extremely extremely long year because I I don't care how much talent they have listen your best player is Shaq Davis and you don't have you don't have a quarterback who can get on the football you can't run the football and your offensive line is getting beat consistent I mean to lose the line of scrimmage battle week in and week out is it it, it, it they're going to have to hit the portal in all the I mean, they're going to need more offensive linemen, defensive linemen, because you're losing some of your best players to the draft again. And on top of that, the secondary just they don't have that. Uh, they don't have that it factor like a Jacoby Durant, like a Zafir Kelly. It's just uh, they they were bad in all the wrong places all year, and we overlooked their issues because of the one good half they had last season against Jackson state. And that's, and that's what I said on the preview show. I think South Carolina state was an average team last year. I mean, they were six and five coming in. They didn't look good in the first half against Jackson state. Then in the second half, they played a, a mate, an amazing half of football, win the celebration bowl, pull off the big upset. And and I think that carried that, that carried them all the way through this year on the hype train. So I'm just going to throw that. I, I just think they got overrated based off of one good half of football last year. He says, Shaq Davis, fam, you is the perfect place to play along. Andrew body. <laughs> Mr. Campbell's already recruiting Andrew and Shaq. Oh my God, man. There needs to be a ref portal. We're going to get, we're going to get into that now. We got Jackson State and Alabama A&M. And anyone who talked to me before this game, because I heard there, like, so I've talked to, I've talked to three or four people now who were at the game. And just, just throw out here, I'm recording this show from Mobile, Alabama. Um, all four, all four people said they're never coming back to Mobile. If it's if the game is that loud, and I heard it was that bad, and I mean I'm not surprised it, I'm not surprised it was that bad, but yeah, like all four people said they're never coming back, and, and it makes me a little sad. Not uh, <laughs> oh my god, he said never. <laughs> he said I was sending this rep to hell. Oh my god, I'm I'm crying, man. Yeah, all are too much, but. 
yeah, I heard it was <laughs> I heard it was bad, but well, let's talk about the game. I don't want to I don't want to get on <laughs> I don't want to get on my uh, mobile that much, but there were um there were some really 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 bad calls in this game both ways and I I told you guys I told you guys against Texas Southern I, I called it earlier in the year the SWAC has a major referee problem and I mean really there's there's a lot of FCS conferences that have bad refereeing but I mean to the level that to the level that I saw when I rewatched this game, it, it was atrocious, man. Because because for me, the only thing I could say is like at least <laughs> at least they were bad like all around. But uh, uh, man, it it was like I'm, let me pull up the penalty stats real quick. I, I want to make sure <laughs> I want to make sure I quote this. Um, the penalties this week they threw eighteen combined penalties for oh, almost 150 total yards it, it it's bad and the swag has to do something about it they they have to do something about it i mean they were the, the that's all that's all you could say good about them sean is at least they were consistently bad at least it wasn't just like spurts like they were bad from the moment they stepped on the field and that, all you could say is that they they, they were just horrible refs at least they were consistent but you know I, I do think at the same time like looking at the game overall I you you got to give credit to both sides so I do think like I say like I say on the show all the time more than one thing can be true at once on, on one side you have to give Alabama A&M credit for finding a way to be motivated and kind of bouncing back in a sense in terms of their on-field performance, especially defensively and running the football after they really put up a horrible performance against Mississippi Valley State. Like they could have easily came in here and just got dog walked and they, they put up a solid fight, man. Eaglin put up a hundred yards rushing by himself, a touchdown averaged almost five yards per carry. Lankford did it, had, had some explosive plays in the run game as well, and the defense did a solid job. I, I, they played physical; they were fast. Dre Terry played really well. Moses Douglas, uh, List, and Richardson played played solid as well. There were it, it was it was a better performance than I was expecting from A and M coming into this one. And on the other side, you it's a good thing, and I know this is going to sound crazy. And I said it after the Alabama State game. Um, after after the Alabama State game, I said it's good to see Jackson State can win a tough physical game on away from home where things aren't going their way. It's always good to see your team respond positively to adversity and still be able to come out with the win. And that is what Jackson State did. And you've got to give Aubrey credit. Aubrey had 17 total tackles and was all over the field like he's been all year long for Jackson State. Geronte Davis had a big game. Baron Hobson, Jeremiah Brown all had solid performances. 
And so you have to give, I, I think if you're a Jackson state fan, you have to be as much as you're disappointed that, you know, it wasn't the blowout that it was supposed to be, man, you still, you still won. And your quarterback, your starting quarterback got hurt. You got touchdowns called back. The other team, the the other team had some momentum game, and you still bounced back and won the game. Like that, that's that's got to be a good thing in some sense. I know, I know. As a fan, as as fans, everyone wants to be emotional and say, "Oh man, it should have been fifty to whatever." But like, man, it's a I, the the name of the game is getting wins, and every team in the FCS top twenty five has had a game on their schedule. I'm trying to think. Yeah, uh, most teams have had a scare to in uh, on the season, and it and it built a better and stronger team moving forward. Because now the next time that you are in that situation, you get punched in the mouth. You know how to respond. Now for the negative, and this is I, I already know everyone's going to hate me and call me out and everything like that. I didn't get this. I didn't. I didn't get to. Um, I didn't get to watch the game live because I, I was covering the uh, Mercer game and the way it was explained to me over text and in my DMS by fans was that the hit on Shador was malicious, clear as day targeting and everything like, man, that was just a football play in my opinion. Now I do agree that he ducked his head early, but it wasn't like a blatant, like he just Beard him in the face like some people thought like I thought Shador got his head taken off by the way people were coming into my DMs freaking out but I mean man that was just a football hit in my opinion I do agree that it probably was targeting but man with like I I don't know why people were just like losing their minds because I mean there were people saying um oh they're cheap shot in Shador oh my god they're doing like they're out here trying to kill him and it's like dude that was just a football like the dude just went to make a big hit like that just is what it is I I don't understand like I I, I don't understand why people were freaking out. I, I I definitely thought it was just a football play I absolutely and I, I could see why they didn't call it targeting because if you really sl- it, if you really slow it down even though he ducked his head, he caught him like in the shoulder. It, it, I mean, it was just, I mean, it, one, you got to slide. And two, at the, at the end of the day, man, like it just, it happens like that. I think, I think it would. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's, that's more, um, that's more of what it was is that people were expecting a flag because I mean, shit, they, they threw at, at that point in time, I think Jack state was almost uh double digit penalties at that point, but I'm glad he's okay. I saw in the comments that he's going to be fine. The The biggest thing, um, let's see, I'm a Jacksonian. It was just a good hit, not targeting my opinion. He just got to learn to slide um, or get up. And I know I agree. I, let's, I don't know. I don't know how y'all feel about it. And I've said this on the show. I don't know what's targeting anymore. And even in the game I was covering. So I, I don't, I forgot to mention earlier. So, there were three targeting calls in the Mercer um, in the Mercer Furman game. The first one, I'm talking about clear as day targeting guys. I, I don't know if y'all saw the. I, I don't know if y'all watched the game. I'm talking about it was a spear hit, like the face mask of the quarterback collapsed on his face. It was reviewed, no targeting. On the on the punt, about probably ten minutes later, Mercer's wide receiver gets ejected for targeting. 
Mercer's wide receiver gets ejected for targeting on the punt on on a punt because the dude fumbled it, and when it hit his shoulder pad, the guy looked up to catch it again, and he got taken out. And due to the way his head was hit, was shaped it or like looking or angled, it looked like targeting. When I mean, he really didn't spear. Um, he didn't spear him, and they ejected a Mercer wide receiver on to, on a BS targeting after their quarterback just got speared, and then they call targeting again. And guys, I'm telling you. I have to find the replay. The guy they called targeting off for Furman was didn't even um, didn't even hit the quarterback. He was standing next to the pile, and they called targeting on him. And they had to review it and realize that he wasn't even in the play. I, I don't know what targeting is, and for me, I don't know how you. I, before we move on, targeting to me should be malicious intent, where the where the you use the crown of the helmet, um, you use the crown of the helmet to another to the upper body of another player with ill intent. I think it should be a fifteen yard penalty if it's helmet to helmet, and then if you if you had malicious intent behind it, you're ejected from the game. But this whole man, let's let's eject let's eject people from the game because making a football play and he accidentally hit someone, that's got to go. Like. And Jackson State fans know what I mean. There's no reason that J- uh, James Houston should have been ejected in the ULM game last year. James Houston made a football play on the quarterback and got ejected in the first half for nothing. And there's too many players losing um, losing important playing time, especially at the FCS level where – Film matters like m- missing an entire half of football for an FCS guy could be career altering. And it just, it kills me how NCAA, I agree, Lawrence, NCAA targeting rules are atrocious, even, even compared to, um, yeah. And that, there's another one, Aubrey Miller ejected for targeting, which it was on a football play. It is horrible, man. Like the incident boy has to do something about this because eventually defensive players are going to be because defensive players, let's just all, I think we can all agree here. Defensive, um, defensive players are at a disadvantage already. And the fact that now you have to, The fact that even if it's not helmet to helmet, if your helmet dips just below the crown, you can be ejected on a good hit is insane. The targeting rule has to be looked at because it is ridiculous. But and also Savion Wilkerson had a solid game too. And this game to me came down to the fact that Alabama A&M has to find a quarterback this all season. And Jaron Williams from Miami I don't know if he would have been any better. I've heard some mixed reviews on his, uh, on on his spring performance, summer performance, whatever you want to call it, but they're going to have to find a quarterback. There are too many good quarterbacks potentially in the transfer portal this all season. I'm sorry. I don't think Linkford or Casey is the answer at quarterback for Alabama and L moving forward next season. You have to go get a quarterback because I think you can build on a guy like Eakland. You can build on some of the, the wide receivers that you have in the program, your offensive line is, is is improved from last season. You have some defensive guys that you can build on. You have to have a quarterback that can win you the game. 
15 for 29, 115 with a pick. I, that's not going to get it done, especially against elite competition like Jackson State's defense is elite this year. I think – so that that's my take on the game. I'm just going to leave it at that because I think I went back and watched some other people's reaction because I just kind of wanted to see what people were thinking today. And I just think there's too much overreacting on both sides. I think on one side you have – Jackson State fans that expect perfection from 18 to 23-year-olds where, man, it's, it's tough to consistently play high-level football with zero mistakes. And then they're they're disappointed in the team. But, I mean, you look at it, end of the day, your quarterback goes out with an injury. He throws four touchdowns before he leaves the game. You have a quarterback who has had zero reps come in, and JP, who he didn't look great, but – We'll see if he's, he's going to get more reps just in case Shador, you know, because I, I know he said on Twitter he's good to go. You never know. You need to have him ready with some reps because you see what happens when you don't. And I think it was a great test for Jackson State where, listen, you're 10-0 at the end of the day. You have to have some close games. If you go through and just blow everyone out, the first sign of adversity in a tough game, it could be the Celebration Bowl, it could be the PV game, we don't know. It's... um it's good for your team to know that they can be punched in the mouth and win. And for AM, it's all that this game was solid. You had chances to win. I get it. You're disappointed you didn't win. But man, the AM team I saw play on Saturday or, or on Sunday when I watched the game earlier this morning is a way more efficient and a more effective team than what played um than what played Valley last week on in in terms of in terms of that matchup. So I, I think this was an overall good game. I thought it was a good game. There were some people who were saying it was a quote-unquote boring game. You don't need to score 50 points a game for it to be a good game. Some, some, some <laughs> Sometimes I think defensive battles are way more fun to watch, and I thought this was a – this 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 was this was a good game. And the fact that, I mean, A&M was able to come out as explosive as they were – and that was that was huge. So I think it was a it was a great win for Jackson State, man. Ten and zero, Alcorn State though that rivalry game, the Soul Bowl in Lorman. I'm excited to see that one. I'll be there. So in, if anyone's going to Lorman, I'll be down there on the sideline. I'll be covering that game this weekend, and I'm I'm excited to experience my first Soul Bowl in uh, Lorman. And we're going to do FCS game of the week. And then we're ending the show with the HBCU top 10 rankings. Man, so stick around for that. But Sanford, you see the picture. They clinch the SoCon auto bid with a 35-24 win over Chattanooga. And I still got to work out my top 25. There's some spots from like 12 to 17 or 18 that I'm still working out. So I won't drop all of them tonight. But I'll just say this. Sanford jumped into my top six. I'm just going to leave it at that. I mean, Sanford is undefeated in FCS play this year. They've played the 11th toughest schedule in the country, and Sanford's only loss this season is to Georgia and Athens. And, yes, it's the same Georgia that's number one in the country right now at the FBS level. Michael Ayers, his first year as starting quarterback for Sanford out of, the, out of JUCO, 353, four touchdowns, completed over 70-something percent of their passes, and they forced turn. The biggest thing is – they forced Preston Hutchison into mistake after mistake. He threw for 320, but he threw two big interceptions, and you cannot do that against Sanford. They've done a great job building their defense up this year. They ran the ball fairly efficiently, efficiently 121 um, 
on the ground against one of the better, I, I believe Chattanooga came in as the number one um, rushing defense in the SOCON. And they also, Aline Ford did his thing on the ground, but they held Geno Appleberry and some of those, I was I would call them backup rushing threats to nothing. Ford's going to get his 100 every game. It's the reason he's the all-time leader in rushing, uh, one of the all-time leaders in rushing yards in Chattanooga history. I believe he set the record for 100-yard games. And I, I, I'm, I'm impressed with Ford, man. And... Uh, yeah, Mr. Gaddy, man, it's still real time. We're still live. I don't know. Well, it depends on when you're watching. But, yeah, if you could hear me, it's still real time. Um, I agree. I think Sanford can make a run in the playoffs. You look at the receiving core, two men. DJ Rias, 100 yards receiving a touchdown. Chandler Smith and Kendall Watson. Kendall Watson had three receiving touchdowns this weekend, eight catches. Chandler Smith, nine for 80. Also, Jay Stanton. Seven, seven for 38. They have so many weapons. Ayers can spread the football out consistently. And I think that that's the difference. I think Sanford's going to be a seed. They're going to host a game this year. And with the offense and the way that, and the way this defense is slowly coming along, man, Sanford is going to be a problem. But this was a big win. I doubted them coming into this one just because it was on the road against a strong Chattanooga defense. Sanford's proven me wrong time and time again, and it is time to put a little bit of respect on the Bulldogs. I think this is a team that could could make a quarterfinal run at minimum, and depending on the matchup, if you can get a team that does not defend the pass very well and cannot force airs into some mistakes, man, I... I, I think I think Sanford is going to be a problem. If I had to, I'll release my bracketology T uh, on on my preview, but just off the top of my head, mm, I think I think the highest they could go is probably like five or six, maybe. It just depends on what happens with some of the big sky teams and um, in front of them, because you know South Dakota State is going to be up there, Sac State. Montana State, North Dakota State. So really the top four seeds are locked. So probably the highest they could go is fifth. But I think if if you can get anywhere in that five, six, maybe even seven range, I think I think it'll be perfect for a Sanford team. T, you also got to remember Sanford was picked to finish sixth in their own conference. So being the sixth overall seed in the playoffs is going to be is is going to be huge. Remember Justin Ford's episode. Um, what, what about it? You know, what about Justin Ford's episode? I'll put Sanford over Holy Cross for the seventh or eighth seed. Like there was a question on here. Let's see. We're getting film on the rest this week. Blue will be ready for them. They won't get to take 21 points off the board. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, V, I think all, I think Chattanooga, Sanford and Furman are all going right now. I would have Mercer on the outside looking out. Um, unless they beat Sanford this weekend, V, and then we'll have a conversation about potentially four. But I think all the top three are pretty much locked in right now. I mean, Sanford's already locked in, but I don't see how you can leave Chattanooga or or Furman out right now, especially when Furman's only losses to Sanford with the backup quarterback. Blue, I don't think most people are looking for JSU to be perfect. They have a vastly superior offensive roster to be as inconsistent as they are during the games with the schedule. I Okay, so I... I, I get what you mean on that one. I do think this, we've talked about this, the slow starts, um, 
the slow starts could be an issue, especially against teams with like equal talent. But the problem is I don't think Alcorn is going to give them a lot of problems off- offensively. Now, a slow start against Central, we'll see. But the, the thing I worry about with Central, I mean, I guess if we're uh, – or Pe- uh, Okay, if you get past PV, I'm sorry. I keep, I keep putting you all past PV because I don't see PV winning that game. Um if they come in with that three three five with a undersized with an undersized off uh, defensive line, I think that's going to cause big issues for them. And so I don't. It, as long as Jackson State runs the ball, I don't foresee them starting super slow. And that's 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 I I think Jack State's good man I I don't think they're perfect no no team's perfect but right now I don't think I don't see an opponent on their potential upcoming schedule that's going to that's going to give them many problems I'll just I'll just say that also yes congrats to Aubrey Miller um he's a he's what the fifth I think if I'm not mistaken he's the fifth FCS player this season to get a senior bowl invite um Cody Mock um, Hunter Lipke, Andreas Lovas, Isaiah Land, and Aubrey Miller now are um, are the five players who have Reese's Senior Bowl invites, if I'm not mistaken. I could be missing one, but I think those are the five off the top of my head. So I'm hoping to see more uh, FCS players. So just to kind of give you all a heads up, I've already been in contact with the Senior Bowl. I should be covering that the the entire week of the senior bowl on the sidelines, pictures, videos, everything. So I'm going to I'm going to make it a priority to really highlight the um the, the FCS players that are at the event. So I'll be covering the senior bowl down there and I'm really hoping to get some interviews, some clips, highlights, things like that of the players down there. So stay tuned for that uh when the senior bowl rolls around in late January. Um, so I don't, I don't think the Southland is better than the SWAC, especially depth wise. Um, I do think incarnate word is the best team out of either conference. Um, I would say incarnate word and Jack state are the top two. I still think incarnate word, um, is the best team out of the two. And then I think, I think FAMU Alabama state are right there. I don't think Southeastern Louisiana is as good as they once were. Texas A&M Commerce is in their first year, so I think the SWAC is a better overall conference. I do think the Southland has the best team out of the two conferences. Um, when is the last time the SWAC won the Celebration Bowl? It was, what, Grambling over North Carolina Central? I don't remember what year that was, but I, if I'm not mistaken, it was the year, I think, Grambling beat Central. I don't remember what year, though. It was, what, 10 to 9? But I'm blanking on the year. 2016. There you go. I knew I knew Chant was coming in here. But um, <clears throat> excuse me. So the last segment here, HBCU top ten. It's a weekly thing people wanted me to do. Here's what I'm going to say. I said it last week. I have my top five on the left, and on the right, I have the five pure chaos teams where you can rank them absolutely anywhere you want to put them. I mean, it, it's it's the top five teams, and then it's pure chaos on the right. So you can argue about it, but it's literally the top five teams, and then it really doesn't matter what's on the other side because everyone has beat everybody, and it's just pure chaos in terms of an HBCU ranking. But the top ten right now, my top five stayed the same, or really my top seven stayed the same. Jackson State's the best HBCU team in the country. 
Central second, FAMU's third, A&T's fourth. I kept Alabama State at five. They played a hell of a game against FAM. And I, th- I think Alabama State right now is a better team than Southern. You can argue about it, but I don't think many people um, would would pick Southern over Alabama State right now. I, I don't. And I got Howard at seven. I mean, give me give me a reason why Howard doesn't belong up there. What you can maybe make an argument that Howard has to be behind PV, but Howard Howard's done more than a lot of the other teams that are behind them. Especially when you look at their a lot of their losses came from out of conference, but they've been they've run through the MEAC outside of Central. So I'm keeping Howard right where they need to be. PV Texas Southern right there. The reason I got PV over Texas Southern is because they won the head to head, and then I got Morgan State at ten because. They they've earned that, in my opinion. I I I think Morgan Morgan State is a top ten team, just in my opinion. I I I really I really really like Morgan State. I, I might be putting them a little bit too high at ten, but I, that's just let's pull this up. I would say Central probably has the biggest win um, in the rank is what they beat New Hampshire. So they got the biggest win. I I, I want to hear people's I want to hear people's argument on why Fam should be over Central. I know I know Central lost to Campbell and and, and they got upset they got upset by South Carolina State, but right. I still think they got the best win, and right now, man, I, I, Central is the best team. It's going has clinched it up, and and that I think that would be a fifty fifty game. I just let's see, and the biggest loss getting beat to sleep by Campbell. To me, I, I I'm gonna this be a little bit controversial, and y'all can call in. Listen, seven zero one seven seven nine nine five eight five. If FAMU went to Campbell right now, or, or at that time, because now they don't have Hodge Malik. I mean Campbell doesn't have a starting quarterback, but if they play Campbell on October, what first, I don't, I don't I mean, I think Campbell beats FAMU to sleep in early October. I, I, I know people are going to hate that, but I, I absolutely think that FAMU gets beat to sleep too in, in October at Campbell with that, with how FAMU was playing at that time. I I can't. You can make an argument, but I still think Central belongs over FAMU right now. I agree. I think Campbell beats FAMU, especially if they were healthy. ASU over SU. I don't think Southern's been very impressive. That's just my that's my way of putting it. I don't think Southern looks very impressive. They're sitting at six and four. Alabama State is sitting at six and four too. And the other thing is Southern has two wins over um, Southern has what a D two win and then a NAIA win or something like that. So I, I think Alabama state's record, Alabama state six and four record is, is better than Southern six and four record. Agreed on. Uh, I think Calvin's calling it. Hang on. Nine, eight, six, eight. You're live. Yo, 
What up? What's good, man? Hey, this guy is a hell of a message again. Quick question. Now, <laughs> this goes back to family's playoff folks. Not knocking it, I just want to stick the fact. This is going to sound bad for all swag schools. Uh, what swag school would it be the team outside of conference for a winner record? Other than Jackson? Yeah. Uh, I mean, depending on the matchup, I think FAMU could have. And no, 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 no. I'm sorry. What team has actually played a game and beat a team win a record uh, out of conference? This is not, I mean, not fictitiously. I mean, I'm making a point here, Luke. In the SWAC? Uh, yeah, nobody. I- I don't think the SWAC nope. um, has the MIAC, the, I think Morgan did and Central, Central did. Yeah. Because yeah. if I'm not mistaken, I mean, Sacred Heart has a winning record right now. So if I'm not mistaken, I think it'd be Morgan and Central. And I guess you could say South Carolina State because they beat A&T. Or no, 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 no. They they lost A&T. Never mind. I said, no, you can't even say South Carolina State. Damn, that's tough. There's a point I'm making. Listen, this is no shade, fam, but like you're saying, like there's there's no marquee key, key wins. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm Jeff Fisher. You know what I'm saying? We would be Campbell. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Campbell's a better team than Rick indicates. But um, we ain't beating a team out of conference before in a record. Since State is better than who I think they are too. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like so. You know, fam, you who have y'all beat out of conference? You know, this is a playoff talk. I mean, this is how the probably committee might have a look on it. Like, who of y'all, who, what is y'all marquee win? I mean, I'm not trying to show those shades, but I'm just seeing the facts. Really? So, you're asking, like, who, like, FAMU's mar- marquee win? Yeah. Who, who was, the, like, you know, a, you the playoff committee right now? They don't. Would you say that's uh, FAMU? Your best win would be Alabama State on the road. Would probably be the best win off the top of my head because, and then also, if you're building FAMU's playoff resume, the committee also looks at who you lost to. And I don't think there's another team on the bubble that has two better losses than to Jackson State, who's a top 10 team. And, um, what UNC is what eight and one, nine and one right now with a Hosman contender at quarterback. Yeah, they're pretty solid. I'm, I'm, listen, that was um, and listen, they played great that game. I can't knock them for this. Now they didn't look good against Jack State. I mean, I, I, put me in the mind as a playoff committee. Like, I mean, I'm going to argue against it. You don't want you to argue for it now if you want to. But you get what I'm saying. I know. I'm not I, I got to put you in the bubble. I know. I, I got mean, you. I'm not trying. But... to. I'm not trying to hate. I'm not trying to bust through a bubble. Listen, I want Sam in the playoffs because I think the more teams that we got in postseason looks better at the conference. But I'm also being realistic. Like, Jack State had to beat any team out of conference for the record. Um, Alcorn has a team they Slack has never beaten. They suck this year. Um, and they lost to South uh, Stephen F. Austin, who is not the greatest. 
Valley has two FCS losses, one of them taller to state, one of them also peak. I mean, they're not – I mean, also peak peaked it sometimes. Um, but I don't want to keep going down the list. Now, I could argue that uh, Alabama State beat the second-best team in the MEAC, but then again, that's like the MEAC. You know, Howard, I mean, they don't scare nobody. Now, Howard did play um, – was it Princeton or Yale? Pretty cool. Hard. One of them really tough. They played both. They played Harvard and Yale. I mean, you know, Tennessee State played Eastern Washington, but what's Eastern Washington right now? I mean, if I want to look at secondary, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, I would just after after if I'm not mistaken, Tennessee State has still not scored an offensive touchdown in three weeks now. Now, um, I mean, I'm not trying to bust anybody bubbles, but I also be realistic. What are their chances to get in the playoffs? I have them by like a 90% chance of not getting into the playoffs. Who, fam? Tennessee Sheriff. Yeah. I got, I, like, I'm releasing my bracketology on Wednesday on the preview show, but I'll, in terms of percent making it, I would give them. I would. Yeah. I, it's still fifty-fifty, man. There's so many, like, dominoes that have to fall because if Southeastern Louisiana wins the Southland, they got no chance. Does that loss hurt them? I mean, even from last year. No, it actually helps them okay. to a point. So, anyone who in here who follows FCS football closely, one of the things the playoff committee does is. If you're if you've been in the playoffs before, they're more likely to put you in again, and so that actually helps FAMU is that they got to the playoffs last year, and there's a chance that they if South if if SLU gets in and FAMU gets in, there's a good chance that that matchup um, is the first round matchup we'll again. Um. Well, here's here's a little bit more question I have. What are the chances of next year we getting? Multiple teams in the playoffs. Zero. We'll just leave it at that. None. <laughs> yeah, I hurt my feelings, Lou. I'm mean, gonna look at it though, because um, Alabama State can't go because of the uh, Turkey Day Classic. Southern and Grambling can't go because of the Bayou Classic. So, who you who you banking on? PV, Alcorn, mm. Alabama A and M. I mean, who who would you bank on being the second team? Good question. Uh, what would you grade offensive line from the spring practice? Ooh, I hang on. Um, I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna answer that. I'm gonna let you go, man, because we got a bunch of callers. But I'll, I'm gonna answer that real quick. Um, great offensive line. I mean, it's been solid for most teams. FAMU's been good in pass blocking. Jackson State's a solid run blocking offensive line. PV's has been great in terms of run blocking. Um, so I, I'm gonna say it's solid. I don't. I, I would have to go team by team to completely grade it. So I'm gonna go four five one two eight nine four five and three nine three five to end the show. Four five one two, you're live. Blue, what's going on? What's good, man? 
This is Diallo in Ohio, man. I, I got a couple questions for you, man. I've been meaning to call you, man. And I see the, the topic of right now of discussion is FAMU. And if my memory serves me correct, I'll put it in the chat. And I don't know if you saw it. I, I could have I sworn, and I, I might be wrong, but I could have sworn you and Scotty both picked FAMU to win the SWAC this year, correct? Before the no. season started? No. I, I did not. Oh. I, I, I picked Jackson State to win the SWAC for sure. Okay, so he was he was on that boat by himself. I don't even I don't know if I don't know if Scotty picked them to win the swag. I know he picked them as like his bandwagon team, but I don't I don't think he uh Okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm confusing the bandwagon. The only reason I said that I like FAMU and I think they will get in the playoffs. And the reasons that you just stated, the fact that they made it last year, even though it wasn't a great showing, I think the, the committee will give them a, a nod because like you said who has two better losses? You know, North Carolina was a really close game. The, the score didn't say it at the end, but if you watch that game, they were in that game. Uh, and then they just shit the bed against, you know, excuse my language, against Jackson State. But other than that, they've had a, a, a solid season and they beat the people on their schedule. You know what I mean? I, I think they're getting a bad rap um, because of the Jackson State game, per se. But other than that, they, they've played decent. You know what I'm saying? I even heard, heard something. I was reading something. I saw something earlier to where they not only they might get in, but they could potentially have a home game at Bragg. What, what do you think about their chances getting in? And if so, would it would it be looking like they would have a home game? It, it would depend on who they get matched up against. So when you look at when you look at the way the bidding works, it's blind. So they have to submit their um, their bids now. So FAMU has to submit a blind offer and you don't know who they're going to be matched up against. It's just going to depend. If you get matched up with the school that has a lot of money, it's going to be tough to get a home game. But if you get matched up with the school that at the end of the day, really doesn't care about that, then they got a chance. I think it, it's still, I would have to wait and see who they get potentially matched up against. Cause you never know how willing another school is to, overbid for a home game. But I think if FAMU gets a home game, that increases their chances of winning a first-round game tenfold because it's going to be really tough to go down and play and brag. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think you was right with the question on the last call. The next year, you'll be lucky to get one team, let alone two in. Because, I mean, you just have to be honest. Everything you just said about the Bayou Classic, Turkey Day Classic, um, Jackson State, you got to assume with them bringing what they're bringing back, they're going to be back in the Celebration Bowl, so they're not going to be – in the playoffs, so it'll be looking like fam again, unless Alcorn and and and, and PV have better seasons than they've had this year. So, um, I, I have one last question. I don't want to hog up the lines of those people calling in, but I see JSU. You know, they're the the social media kings when it comes to HBCU or even just FCS football, and they've been, you know, uh, what they call it when LeBron turns his Instagram and stuff off for the playoffs, zero dark thirty. They've been zero dark thirty. Uh, since that game last night, and we haven't had any updates on Shador. Have you heard anything on your back channels or from your any of your sources on uh, what's the kid's condition? Is he going to potentially sit out, or is he going to try to play in, in this, this uh, game on Saturday? So someone posted in the chat earlier that Shador tweeted that he was good to go. Um, oh, I don't wow. know how accurate that is, but tomorrow I'll be on the coach's call, and I can only imagine that there's going to be – a million a questions, questions about Shador's health. So if if Man. anyone's doubt is not 
you know, put to rest tonight, tomorrow about 12 o'clock, all the questions are going to be answered because you know Prime's going to get a million questions about the health of Shador tomorrow. Right. Yeah, because I was on with Scotty last night, and we both agreed, like, if it's if it is a concussion, you know, I, I would sit him out. I know it's a rivalry game. You know, it used to be the Capital City Classic. Now it's the Sobo. And um, you have a bye going into the SWAC championship. Why even risk? We would basically get three weeks off. Why even risk in a meaningless game at, 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 at Lorman? Like, why would you even risk? But if he's really good to go, then I can understand why planning. But I wasn't. I wouldn't even roll the dice if it's, you know, if it's a, a highly likelihood of him getting another another concussion. Because one thing I give him credit for this year, he's been really good at sliding. I don't know if he just had a brain fart and just was – I don't even understand why he didn't even get down. He had more than enough time to get down. But I appreciate the – you know, let me call him in and keep keep doing your thing, man. I appreciate your your your, uh, your channel and the information you bring, man. It's very enlightening and, you know, very, you know, uh, rich with information. Hey, appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Um, I will say, uh, I, I do want to say this because I don't. I, I was talking to a player parent last night about it. I don't listen. I'm going to leave it up to prom if I'm anybody, because I think it's something. Listen, there's almost 300 of y'all in here. I think we can all agree on. Prom is not going to put Shador in any sort of compromising position where he potentially could get hurt, hurt worse. If Prom feels comfortable enough with putting Shador on the field next Saturday, I'm good with it because I know for a fact that Prom is not going to put his son in any sort of danger. If 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 he says he can play. Guess what? I'm, I'm cool with it because guess as he is he's still a father at the end of the day, and he saw what happened to Tua Tagovailoa. He's seen what could happen in terms of people not minding concussions. If there was any, if there was any doubt, I know Prime won't put him out there. So as long as he, if if Prime says he's good on the coach's call, I, he's good with me. In my opinion, I, I don't I don't think Prime would ever risk it. Three nine three five, you're live. Yo, Blue, what's up, man? What's good? Hey, man, it's my first time calling into your show, and I almost gave up. I was holding for a minute, but I'm glad I hung on. Hey, for sure, man. Man, Appreciate I you. want to just tell you, uh, I really enjoy your show. I've been watching you for a minute now, um, and I really want to thank you because you are one of the few channels that show my Alabama State some love and respect, man. You got us ranked in the top 10 of the HBCUs. And, uh, you know, you got it right. I'm going to just tell you right now, if nobody else says, you got it right. Alabama State is should be ranked ahead of Southern. I mean, if you just take two common opponents that we've had this year, Jackson State being one, they just monkey curve stomped Southern and shut them out. They they had a tough nail by the fight with us. And then you take Texas Southern and they curve stomped Southern too and shut them out again. And we beat Texas Southern. So that argument is a wrap. I love it. I, I In my opinion, I still think Alabama State is better than Southern. If they played – I would pick Alabama State to beat Southern. 
that's how I'm looking at it with HBC rankings. Because after you get past four, it is just straight chaos. It is. Uh, and, and really, the West is weak. I'm like, if, if Shadur is really okay and nothing's wrong with him, I, I don't see that being much of a contest for a swag championship at all. And then you take it a step further, the Celebration Bowl. The only reason why I'm a halfway gives North Carolina a chance is because, really, people were saying the same thing last year with South Carolina. They was like, oh, Jackson State should just maul them. And we all know how that turned out. So, we'll see. Uh, Like the earlier caller said, Vandy just got done beating Kentucky. (laughs) So, I guess you're going to have it any weekend, man. I just – I don't like the matchup for – PV or or Central because when I look at PV they don't have a quarterback that I think is talented enough to push the ball down the field against a really talented Jackson State defense because we know what Jackson State has been able to do they're going to be able to load the box Aubrey Miller can be a shutdown run defender and if you don't have a quarterback that can keep Jackson State's defense honest or put a threat on the back end of the defense I don't like your chances very much. And then with Central, you have the quarterback who can make a lot of plays. You have a solid offensive line, but you are extremely small on the defensive line and run a defense that is extremely counterproductive unless you make changes in the next three weeks where I think Savion is going to be able to eat significantly. And so I think it's just – Football is all about matchups, and I don't like how either matchup is shaping up for against Jackson State for either Central or PV. No, they, they, they're on paper, it's, it's a clear mismatch. But I'll say this now: for North Carolina, uh, for Central, they at least have an advantage. They're going to have time, just like South Carolina had last year. So they should be able to throw in some different looks a few new wrinkles offensively and defensively to kind of throw Jackson State some curveballs. So maybe that'll kind of help them kind of stay in the game, at least in the early going. But I'm thinking Jackson State has kind of been off a little bit. And, you know, Dion has been constantly on them about starting fast and really trying to play that total complete game. I believe – I'm kind of believing that once they get to that – that that the uh, the celebration bowl, I think they're just kind of kind of like in cruise control right now. They're just trying to get through the season. If, once they get to that celebration bowl, I think the guys are just going to go all out. The lights going to flip, and they're just going to go bananas. And because I, they really want to seal that deal, they really want to get that. They want to bring home the championship not only for themselves and for the fans, but definitely for Dion. So um, I think that may be the time we may see them actually score 70 points. And it's not so much the competition as it is, like I said, I think they're just going to be laser-focused and they're going to really be dialed in, whereas last year it seemed like they probably came in a little overconfident. And I had a player parent talk to me last night about it. People lost sight that also, man, there was a lot of, off-the-field stuff that Jackson State was having to deal with, even going back to Prime's health. He told me he was he was talking to his son, and it's going to be different this year. So we'll see, man. But um, 
Hey, I appreciate the call. I'm going to get to these last two callers, man, so I can hop off of here, but appreciate you calling in. Yeah, man, you have a good night, and hopefully I'll see you at one of these games, man, and uh, i have to dap you up, and we'll go from there, all right? Hey, appreciate you, man. All right. Eight nine four five, you're live. What's going on, Blue? This Doc, man. <laughs> What's good, man? Hey, hey, no, man. Uh, I'm uh, I know this FTS show, but I want to say congratulations to uh, Benedict Fayetteville State and uh, Virginia Union for uh, being uh, selected for the D two playoffs. Um, but um. As far as like what with uh, Florida and M goes, um, I ha- I give them a twenty five percent chance of even getting uh, chosen to get uh, you know to go into the playoffs. And it's kind of just like what you said. I watched. I mean, I think I was on one of your shows. I wasn't on it, but I was listening to it um, when you were saying that there's like four teams out of one conference that might get those. Uh, at large bids and stuff, uh, and it's going to keep FAMU out because of the simple fact that FAMU couldn't, um, they didn't, to me, they didn't dominate the competition that was in front of them. And, um, the whole thing about it is like when you, um, I'm really like this when you play at D2 school, when they play Albany State, and I know Albany State wasn't no slouch, they had a good defense, but. To me, you're supposed to like dominate them from from start to finish, and with you know you're talking about FAMU that kind of starts off. They, I mean, they have a Jackson State. You know, they have a syndrome like Jackson State start off slow in the first half and then try to pick it up in the second half, or they start off fast in the first half and then they give teams the ability to try to come back, and now they have to uh, play this you know this type of cat and mouse game to where um they're they're surviving by touchdown or four points or you know or, or like 10 points to me they you, you have to you know i i, I treat fcs playoffs like the old bcs you know where you have you know even though it's done by computers you have to dominate like you definitely have to dominate your opponent that's in front of you like with the points you know the 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 points play, um, but I don't see. I like I said, I see fans with a twenty five percent chance of getting into the playoffs. And if they get into the playoffs, um, you said that if if Southeast or who if whoever wins whatever conference, I think the Southland Conference, who you think they would be matched up against if they get into the playoffs? If they had, you know. Have it, a chance to get to the playoffs. It just depends on who you know, like who gets the other at large bids. Because if Mercer gets in, they're right there. Sanford's probably getting a seed, so you're probably throwing them out. Southeastern Louisiana um, is a potential opponent. Um, I, I, if Mercer gets in, that's probably going to be the matchup. If if I had to guess, but. Um, we'll have to see, man. Uh, the bubble's going to be filled. It could be like a South Carolina school or maybe a Southern North Carolina or even like a UT Martin or a Chattanooga as well. 
would be a nut will be right. two other schools to watch if they get in. But it all depends on who gets in on the bubble. But man, Doc, appreciate you calling in, man. I'm gonna try to knock out these last two callers so I can hop off of here. Nah, nah you good, bro. Yep. Later, man. All right. I'm gonna go seven one two zero and five five three one, and those are gonna be the last two callers of the night. And within the seven one two zero, you're live. Hey, how you doing, Blue? What's up, man? All right. I, I just wanted to chime in about the, uh, you know, somebody posted five. Buddy Pugh needs to get fired. Uh, people forget. You know, he's not getting nowhere near the funding that he used to get. When Buddy Pugh's program was fully funded, South Carolina State was putting money in the program. But if you had national contending team, national championship contending team, and they're not, he's not getting the funding that he used to get. And I mean, even, even the band, the Marching 101, they're nowhere near the size that they used to be because of lack of funding. And that's all I want to say. So, I'm, just to give a little bit of perspective to you and everyone in the chat, well, I, he just hung up, but just to give perspective to you guys. So I said, I, you know, I came out last week and said that was insane. And 5531, I'm going to get to you. I said it was insane that South Carolina State was going to try to fire Buddy Pugh. Apparently, there were South Carolina State fans that were pissed about that. And that apparently, quote, unquote, what, what I was told is, I don't know South Carolina State football and that Buddy Pugh should have been fired a long time ago. That's what I was told by some by some alumni of South Carolina State is that Buddy Pugh should have been fired and that this has been a conversation for a while surrounding the program. So apparently this talk about Buddy Pugh being fired is something that South Carolina State fans have been doing for a while, and I was told I didn't know South Carolina State football for defending him. Just going to throw that out there for you guys, that there were some people who reached out after last week's show when I defended him. They got mad that I defended him. 5531, you're live. Hey, Blue, how you doing? What's up, man? Hey, my name is uh, KD. I'm giving you a call from Atlanta. Um, had three questions for you. First question I wanted to ask you is: Do if you, based off of the season right now, do you think that the offensive line coach for uh, Jackson State, uh, whether whether the team has done enough or the offensive line has performed good enough for him to keep his job? Yes. Um, no question. The second question. The second question I wanted to ask you is uh, I'm just curious, do you know, like, typically what the expense would be for a, for um, a team to go into the playoffs uh, at the uh, FCS level? Um, I was just thinking about all of the stuff that – all of the turmoil and stuff that FAMU was going through with, you know, trying to get a compliance officer, this and that. I'm just wondering if it's even, you know, if – you know, they don't have the funds for it, if it would even be worth them, you know, going into the playoffs. And then uh, I guess uh, third, my third question would be, um, who do you think would have to have a a monster game in order for um, Alcorn to beat uh, Jackson? That's all I have. I appreciate you, man. Um. 
Okay, so for the first question, I think he's I don't think he's on the hot seat whatsoever. Just just in my opinion. I I think the offensive line has been extremely improved. The lot the the recruiting and the development has been a lot better. I don't think I don't I don't think the offensive line coach is going anywhere. I think it's Marsuk Marsukin or Marsukian, something like that. I don't think he's being fired. The second question in terms of the FCS playoffs, you know, it I can't put a direct price on it because if you because if you know, I mean, it depends on how far you have to travel, what you got to do, you know, who you play, do, do you bid for a game? Now, I will say the one thing is with the way the NCAA takes a lot of the money for hosting a game, the NCAA does um, supply money for travel. So all the, so every round that you travel, the NCAA actually does reimburse you for those travel calls. So to a point, I mean, it, it, I mean, as long as you're getting reimbursed at, at the end of the day, I mean, it's, you could break even at some point, as long as you're not trying to go over and above what you were trying to do. And the third question, um, I'm like, because someone comment what the third question was. I'm I'm blanking on what the third question was right now. It's um, off the top of my head, but no, the O line coach is not being fired, and I also cannot put a price tag on an FCS playoff run just because it depends on who you play, when you play, and if you bid on home games and everything. Because if you um, you so you bid on the first to host a first round game, and then you go to the second round and they're seeded because you got the top eight seeds. But if something happens where two teams from the first round win the second round and match up in the quarterfinals, okay, um, then the highest bid from the first round still hosts that game. But for Alcorn to win, you're going to – the player – okay, that's right. He said what player – it's Howard. It's it's Jarvion Howard has to have an out of ridiculous game. I'm talking about if if Alcorn ha- if Alcorn's going to win this game, guys, I'm you're going to have to you're probably going to have to rush for over 150 yards, and Howard's going to have to have a hundred yard game. I mean, you're going to need him to go berserk. And then in terms of defensively, you're kind of you're going to have to just need a full performance. I mean, listen, Terrence Ellis and um, Clauding uh, Shareless, the two linebackers, they're going to have to play big. When you look at Ellis this year, 70 total tackles, seven and a half for loss, two and a half sacks. I think Clauden has around the same type of stats. Those two guys are going to have to play huge. You're going to need Kinsler at the safety spot to have a big game. Uh, Calvante Key at, at cornerback number 14, he's going to have to have a big game. Those Your defensive backs are going to have to hold up against a really talented wide receiving court, and you're going to have to have a front seven who can get pressure on Shador, if Ellis, Claudius, and that front seven cannot get pressure on Shador Sanders, it is going to be a problem. And you're going to have to run the ball with Howard because uh, was it Trey Lawrence is the backup quarterback now for Alcorn? I, I heard that uh, the the main starter from this year, Allen, is out for the year. So you're going to have a freshman quarterback that's only had about two or three starts under his belt. If you don't run the football, it is going to be an issue moving forward. But I just don't know if it's a great matchup for Alcorn. But we're gonna I'm gonna preview that game on the channel, man. But um listen, I was always supposed to do like an hour, hour and a half on here, man. We hit the two hour mark, but 
listen, some big guests coming potentially on the Coach's Corner, hopefully this week. It's going to be in the next two weeks. So Uncle Luke's will be coming on. We were supposed to record that last week, but he had some political things he had to do after the election. But, man, um, Uncle Luke will be coming on. Also, Jason Brown from Last Chance View, former Indy Community College coach, also coming on the Coach's Corner with me and my guy, Coach Fred. I'm going to be in Lorman this week. Uh, me and Coach Fred might have some live things, an interview with Fred McNair, some players before the game on Friday night coming y'all's way, so stay tuned for some announcements on that. FCS preview coming later this week. We're also going to get the roundtable back going this week, so hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, all that good stuff. Top 25 coming out tomorrow. Check the website for that, thebluebloodspod.com. Also, all the American all-conference lists start dropping next week, so stay tuned for that. We're going to do each conference. We'll have a first and second team, and and also all all the American team will have three teams. We'll have the first, second, and third team um, for that. So stay tuned for all that, man. But up until next time, guys, the Blue Bloods are out, and I'll see you all then.